man. Yeah, do you want to get started talking about writing stuff? Of course. I always want to talk about writing stuff. (laughs) Especially since you kind of want to start getting into writing professionally, right? Yeah, that would be nice. And it's just an interesting thing having to like scrounge and, you know, I guess reinvent myself as the Mm. writer figure. And I don't know. I'm, I just like haven't professionally exactly published a whole ton and Mm. you know I have a ton of college papers but it's like I I don't think I can show people that (laughs) which I don't know I I know that I think it's probably more for the master's program that our professors were like oh if you ever want to use this for after college (laughs) come on and bring it by and we'll fix it up I'm like I don't think anyone wants to read about uh how theater is affecting children and whatever. <laughs> well, also writing. So writing for academia, that's one of the first things you learn when you're writing professionally is that writing for academia is nothing like writing professionally. Interesting. How does the whole different kind of thing? Whoa, epic. And in like, is it in tone? Like, obviously, probably like maybe don't have to stick with a MLA, APA, or I don't know. I know like with a, what do you call it? Journalistic writing. You definitely, I've seen people wanting like you to know AP style and Mm. stuff like that, but I don't know. (laughs) I guess that's why we're here today. (laughs) (laughs) I guess in a few ways writing professionally is there's a few ways in which writing professionally is similar to writing for academia. But the main way that it's similar is that whenever you, when you're a professional writer, you have to be able to write in different genres all the time. And so that's the only way in which it's similar to academia, which is that academia is a form of, or a genre kind of is what I've heard professional writers call it. It's It's like its own genre. So in the sense that by learning to write academically, you're learning a genre. It's kind of like how you have to learn other genres, but the way that genre looks compared to most professional writing genres, it's just not very similar at all. Well, that's completely fair to just teach us some random type of writing in college and then like, hey, guess what, kids? You won't be doing any of this junk <laughs> in the outside world when you're actually trying to make money. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's kind of sad. I, I, I find it a little sad because I, I got through, I, went, I studied English and some communications and a bunch of other things, but my degree was in English at two different colleges and no one ever, and this was like not that long ago. This was sort of like, you know, early to mid 2010s. So you would think by that time, people would have caught on to the fact that most stuff's online, but people were still teaching, people were still teaching writing as if you were going to write for a magazine or if you, as if you were going to write for an academic journal. So even when I was studying this, people hadn't caught up yet. Interesting. Are they, do you know if they're changing this or is this still... A thing. I would say, I would guess English departments probably haven't changed that much, but I think you can get degrees now in things like digital marketing. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not super widespread, but I think okay. you can now kind of specialize in digital marketing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I, I know that I took um, a writing for the media class where it was all writing in like AP style and it, we had to actually go out to events and do like journalistic oh, really? writing. And that was like a really cool class. Um, and it was just like a completely new, completely new format of writing that it's like you would only get in, you know, that style. And so yeah. it tells you about it until you get to it. It's like, oh, so I have to like relearn the whole alphabet now? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially writing for the web, because writing for the web is its whole own thing. And they certainly don't teach you how to write for the web in school. I mean, I never learned anything about writing for the web until I was about 21 years old, and I only had one year of school left. So writing for the web has its own rules that are entirely different. How did you actually like learn that there was a difference? And like, how would anyone actually know unless, you know, is it just because you're greatly involved in that, uh, you know, what do you call it, form of, uh, I guess that's what you want to go into for that career. So is it because Mm. you're studying about it or, you know, how would someone know? 
I don't know how most people, I think some people just pick up on it from doing it. I think that's how a lot of people pick up on it just from, they read a lot of articles and they do it and then they catch on how I found out about it because I actually was not all that interested in the blog stuff. When I was younger, I was much more interested in creative writing and I knew I was really good. I kind of, I could kind of tell I was sort of unusually good at like the whole writing process, not just like, not just the writing, but everything involved with research and stuff like that and being able to piece things together. So, man, what was your question? How do you, how do you learn it? Right. I guess guess yeah. How would people who are like just getting into it, how would you even know where to begin? It's like, you know, you want to be a writer of a certain genre and it's like, okay, well, I'm good at writing. I guess I can do this. So would you suggest someone just going out and say they want to be like a, a content writer for, or a copywriter for businesses or Mm. something? Should you just go out and start reading or I don't know, like what would you suggest if you have, I don't know, some sort of writing dream and you're like, oh, I don't know where to start. Yeah, I think I think when I talk about it, I usually I usually go to my own experience. And for me, finding out what kind of writing I wanted to do was more than half the battle or at least half the battle. So I think that's kind of how I see it, because for me, when I started out writing, I didn't know anything about how people made money doing it. And it seemed like the ways that I knew about weren't very applicable anymore. So, but, so I just found out about content marketing and content writing. And once I found out about that, I, I just, uh, that's, I guess the, the next part of what your question is, is once you, once you decide what you want to do, how do you then pursue learning it? Right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, with, with content marketing, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how, how would you take practical steps to learn content writing? I mean, the main thing involved in content mark and content writing is just learning. Basically, learning how content is consumed online is a big part of it. And I think that's probably, you know, it's not just about writing what you want to write. It's thinking about how is this going to be discoverable? How is it going to be found? Um, how, how can I? And, that, and once you think about it that way, I think that's where content marketing comes in. So if we're talking about content marketing specifically, which is a little different than copywriting. Uh, you have to kind of think about how do search engines work? How does social media work? So content marketing is basically combining writing skills with understanding how content is found now via the internet. What's the difference between content and copywriting? So I I would say copywriting is included in content. Content can kind of basically be any form of writing, but copywriting, if we're we're specifically talking about copywriting, we're just talking about copy is like text, right? So it's copy that's being written to persuade someone to sell something, to buy something, sorry. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, also just something that came to mind right now, I see a need for like, you know, SEO stuff and like, how do you even learn that? (laughs) I'm just baffled by all of that. Oh, by SEO? Yeah. So SEO is kind of tricky because even if you look at how it's changed since when I started and I kind of got into this stuff probably back in 2015, which is when content marketing was becoming a thing and SEO since then has already changed a ton. So I'd say the number one rule about SEO is that you can never really master it because it's always changing, but you can learn the best practices. And if you learn the best practices, you're way far ahead of most other writers. Interesting. And like, how can you learn the best practices? Is there, are there good resources online or I don't know, a site? Yeah. I think you, I don't know. I've read so many articles on it. I know there's a, there's just Google it and you can pretty much find, find out stuff about it. And there are some more cutting edge SEO stuff that I've also been learning about recently. But to begin with, you just have to realize why are people like, why, what makes a content findable on Google, right? And part of that is adjusting your writing to that. So for example, if we get back to what we're talking about with academic writing versus content writing, academic writing, you're writing to express complex ideas and you're kind of rewarded for using jargon and you're rewarded for using big words, right? Whereas content writing, you're you're rewarded for short sentences, writing conversationally, because that's how people expect to consume content online. So it's kind of learning those things, like those strategies. And for example, when so the I'd say the number one rule about SEO is, is understanding that the, the concept that 
someone is coming to your content because they have a problem. And so that's why they're, that's why they're coming to your content is because they're looking for an answer to your problem, to their problem. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just as a side note, I'm sorry for, I hit the microphone and I hope it just didn't destroy everything. (laughs) (laughs) I I did that yesterday. I accidentally hit my hat because I was wearing like my hat and I accidentally hit it against the microphone when we were recording uh, yesterday. I don't think I heard anything wild, so it must have been. Oh, sweet. Okay, but I don't know. I actually just smacked it and almost fell. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Death by microphone. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just in regards to, I guess, the whole finding a job process for a noob like myself, Mm. I guess you could say, out there. Um, What are some things that you would imagine you know say you have nothing first of all um like how can i become enticing for someone if i have minimal things to show i guess you could say and then like what can i put on a resume how can i just what can i show people or can i not show them anything because i you know am just just here as a newborn baby (laughs) (laughs) well i think one thing if if you think about what a lot of people have a lot of the people we've interviewed who are writers on our show a lot of there's one answer i've noticed of several of them have said and even the one we just interviewed which is she said that getting internships is key and writing for free is key and i think that's probably the best place to start is to get those sometimes i don't know why but in the writing world somebody decided that writing jobs shouldn't be paid at first so a lot of them aren't but getting those first basically the way they see it is is you don't really have any you don't have you they're paying you by giving you exposure and that's just sort of how it starts out <laughs> and then you you kind of move on from that to getting paid i don't know it depends on who you are but for me it was moving on from that to getting paid a little bit and that was hugely exciting for me to just getting paid a little bit like minimum wage to write and then it's like a little bit more and then eventually you uh, you know, you kind of, as uh, from what I found is as my needs grew, so naturally did my, I would basically just, I, I basically just wouldn't work for cheaper than a certain amount anymore. And so that sort of naturally drove my, my prices up, if that makes sense. And it's okay if it doesn't make sense, I can explain that further. No, I think that makes sense. But like, how do you even decide when you feel like your prices go up and, you know, I'm just experiencing kind of getting my own first clients with certain things. Mm. And it's like, oh, what's your price? I'm like, oh my gosh, what is my price? Like, you know, where do you even start? And that's kind of a scary thing. I don't know. Is there, are there any tips of like, you know, pricing wise and how you can go about that? Yeah, that's definitely a scary part about it. It's also kind of a fun part about it this whole figuring out what your pricing is. And there are resources online that give you a sense. One thing I will tell you, and this is sort of a way, this is sort of the way I learned to increase my prices without being scared about it because it is, it is scary. Maybe you'll think to yourself, oh, this person won't work with me because I'm raising my prices and they'll go with someone cheaper. But there's one key thing here, which is that if you charge below the market rate for something, the person that the person that you're doing business with, with will actually be suspicious of you. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's like a key thing to business, I think, is that if you charge too far, I mean, you can charge a little below, especially if you want to land that business. But if you charge too far below, they're going to assume, A, you don't know what you're doing. And that means by, by not knowing the, the market rate of what you're doing, that means you don't know what you're doing. and Or they'll just be like, B, this person doesn't have any value to offer. So you're actually at a certain point are, are basically expected to charge the market rate. Otherwise you won't get any business. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And yeah. I guess I kind of understand it's kind of like that with voiceover, um, mm. just with certain, uh, I guess, uh, websites that I've worked with, they suggest to do like, they'll do like a, oh, we're willing to pay between this and that. And I've talked to like a professional who said like, oh, generally people charge around 70% and you're actually more likely, oh, 70% of the top uh, amount Mm. they're willing to pay. And they're like, if you're actually too low, then they're going to think that it's kind of weird. And then if you're too high, then it's like they might get turned off. I don't know. So 
it's always so you were to get the concept a bit yeah i do but then like you know i actually work with some other uh independent clients and i feel like i'm not exactly getting what i deserve and it's just kind of an awkward situation and i always hear it's like well, you're only worth what you're willing to work for and, you know, Mm. willing to accept. I'm like, I feel like I'm worth more than this. But (laughs) it's like, you know, I like what I'm doing. I just don't, I just, it's just like a weird position. Like, you know, with the next person, I think I would definitely, uh, you know, adjust that. So, yeah, interesting thoughts. And I guess with that, um, we can go into, so right now I'm doing script writing and mm. I just don't know if it's something that I can show people and, you know, is it, can I use what I'm even doing if I'm about to go into like a different genre of writing? Mm. And how would you, you know, suggest someone that's kind of has done primarily one thing and would like to branch out? So one thing that's worked for me when I was younger, and not, not that I'm old, but when I was more just younger in my <laughs> career, I'm now I'm now very much like a mid-career kind of person. So, but let's oh. just say when I was an er- yeah. So, but when I was like an early career person, one thing that I, I and I tell I was telling this to somebody recently. One thing that helped a lot is to have a, a narrative about yourself, and I'd say that that's really important. So, for example, when I came out of school, my narrative was, "Hey, I don't have any experience." because I've been in school for a couple of years, but I'm really hardworking and you're not going to regret hiring me. <laughs> right. And that literally yeah. was my narrative, right. That was my narrative. <laughs> and I got, I had a lot of interviews and stuff like that. And I was, I was pretty hardworking. I didn't, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. I knew, I knew I preferred writing, but I also was up for anything that was going to teach me valuable life experience and work experience. So that was my narrative then, but that would be a weird narrative to have now. Right. Like if I went yeah. to someone and said, that would be odd. It would be selling myself short if I went to someone and said, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing, but hire me because I'll work hard, right? Like, yeah, that would yeah. be dumb. But, so I just would say, figure out what your narrative is because part of the reason why when you're young and early career, part of the reason people will hire you, and this has happened, I've had people bring this up with me several times that after talking to me, they'll be like, wow, you were so certain that you wanted to be a writer. Wow, you were, we were really impressed by how driven you are, things like that. And that's because I had a good narrative about myself and about the direction I was going. And that's kind of when you're young, people are hiring you not because of where you're at, but because A, you're cheaper than other people, other options, and just just naturally how it is. And B, you they're hiring you because of who you're going to be. So Whoa. that's what I would say is have a narrative in place. <laughs> I could just tell them like, well, today I'm this person. Oh, but wait, what I'm going to be, I'm going to be someone super awesome. So <laughs> keep me <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I feel like I'm way more inspiring than I usually am right now. I feel like this is this is like drying out my inspirational side. Oh, good. You know, <laughs> maybe this was this is therapeutic for both of us. <laughs> I'll be here with like uh, tears of like, oh, I'm not. I don't know what I am. You're like, oh, I am that cool. <laughs> 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 Something like that. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So, um. What would you tell your younger self, I guess your younger writer self, um, Mm. you know, what would you do differently or what would you keep doing that you feel like it would have helped your career or Mm. something that would have pushed you along or pushed you in a different direction that maybe you saw wasn't the best? Mm. I would say there are probably two things I would tell myself. And first of all, I'm actually pretty fine with how things went. I'm not really, I wouldn't really change anything except for one thing I would change because growing up and I kind of, I write about this a lot on my medium articles and stuff is, which is that growing up, we grew up in a weird time. I feel like uh, we grew up in a, a time and we was great in a lot of ways, but it was sort of a transitional time. So people were transitioning from how things were to how things are now. And they were transitioning yeah. into digital. Mm-hmm. And so people still had the old mindset like, oh, it's impossible to be creative because that means you have to go to Hollywood or that means you have to do this, that, and it, or that means you have to be a published author or, you know, these yeah. things that are actually really hard to do. And I, you know, I, I admit that those are, th- those are hard things to do, but they were not, people were not yet prepared 
for what the digital landscape would look like one day. And I think that I wish that I had known when I was younger how much opportunity, how much opportunity there would be for creatives because I would have been way less anxious. I really I was, wouldn't have been that anxious at all, honestly, about pursuing the things I wanted to pursue. So that's the number one thing I would tell myself because I feel like I was very anxious through college and yeah. through that 18 to 25 age. I w- it was just a hard time for most people, but I feel like that was, it got better as time went by, but it was just very scary, I think. And then the second thing I would probably tell myself, which is what, I, what I'm doing now, which is that don't, don't just like make decisions based on how you feel in the moment or um, don't, you know, think 10 years, think about your project in a 10 year, five year or 10 year mindset. So for example, like with this podcast we're doing, uh, I'm not really concerned with spending 500 bucks a month on promoting it because I, you know, 10 years from now, if I do this podcast for 10 years, for example, uh, there is going to be a, nat- a lot of natural growth that'll come along with that. Same thing with your social media. Like if you get really depressed that you only have a thousand followers today, but you don't really know what that's going to look like 10 years from now. So I think it's good to sort of think long-term and act according to that goal. Wow. You're just filled with knowledge. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting though. Like what types of um, opportunities do you feel like you saw, at least see now that you feel like if you had seen that then that you would have hopped on would have been like just the fact that there's more job listings that you see and knowing like, oh, don't worry. I don't have to be you know, a traditional English major who has to be an English teacher now. And it's like, you know, there's an outside world other than just becoming an English teacher. Yeah. Is that kind of like just seeing more opportunity? Well, yeah, there's that for sure. And I I think that I didn't realize, I mean, how could you, how could you realize this as like an 18 year old kid, right? I mean, you're 18. It's not something, when we were 18, I guess that was, you know, a couple years ago, it was 2012. So this stuff was already taking off. Um, but, you know. It was a different you know, world, yeah. Yeah, it was a little different. Even 2012, it, this stuff wasn't as big yet. So it certainly hadn't, you know, I mean, content marketing wasn't a thing really until 2015. So there's just not really any way I could have known that this would be not only uh, a good way to make money, but it would be one of the hottest careers. And it's, And from the studies, it seems like, that they've done, it's just going to continue to get more in demand and then over the next 10 years. So, I mean, I just, I just never saw myself as being someone who'd be in an in-demand career. So I guess that's, if that answers your question, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting because I saw, or my, one of my first English teachers in college, he's like, oh yeah, like I tried to make it in freelance for a while. And now he was like a kind of a temporary or just jumping into becoming a professor and he was probably around 35 ish Mm. and he just seemed kind of I could tell there was a little bit of a glum you know like (laughs) oh I tried but now I have to go into education now Uh, that I'm you know in the English field and I don't know yeah so I think that's actually comforting to see that it can be actually a very um fruitful avenue that you can actually go especially as like in writing which is not something that you actually hear I think if you know someone then it's like oh wow I didn't know this could actually work yeah I think it's not something that's widely advertised for people even just like I wasn't an English major you know I was a communications major right but they don't tell us that you can really make money writing exactly like I knew that you can kind of write in newspapers or you know, write for the media somehow, but I didn't Mm. know that companies were wanting, you know, people to do written content for their businesses. It's not something that we're told as students. And I think it's something that should be wider advertised. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why, so this is kind of where a little bit of the pessimism comes back in (laughs) because I've been too inspiring (laughs) up to now. But this is, I think, part of the reason why it's not more advertised and part of the reason why people like you mentioned, that guy who goes, who went into education after not really working out is because there's a lot more that goes into this career than just being good at writing. So just being somebody who likes English isn't a guaranteed thing that you're going to be well, you're going to make it in copywriting or especially not, especially content marketing because content marketing 
it definitely requires a lot of different skills too. So you, you know, you kind of have to be somewhat technology savvy. You have to be able to think strategically and you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset because it's such a new thing that a lot of times you're, you're forging new ways or you're selling yourself to people. Like every job I've ever had, I've had to sell myself really hard about why they need this. It's never been a thing like, Hey, I am an airline pilot. I'm going to go work on your, your plane now. You know what I mean? Or however it works in those more traditional jobs. So I think there's that, that's the main reason. I think people don't want to get people's hopes up because most likely not everyone will be able to do such a job that requires so many different disciplines. But I definitely wish that, like you say, it had been shown as at least an option, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with all of that being said, what is a typical day in the life of Joe? Like as a content creator in someone, as someone who's in, I guess, social media management type of you know, Avenue. What does this look like as a full-time career? How do you always have material to be able to come out with? Because if you're working for one company and you're planning on staying there for, you know, maybe 10 years or more, how do you not get dried out in this desertous land of like, oh man, I feel like I've said everything about this company. Yeah. So I feel like those are, that's two different questions, right? So one is what is a day, the day-to-day look like? And then one is how do you stay creative, right? Yeah. So I guess going with the first one, day-to-day, I'd say the biggest misconception young people have, because I myself had this misconception, is that when you have a full-time job, you're actually working eight hours a day. So I, I say that kind of <laughs> like, it might sound funny that I say that, but you're, even if you look at the studies done, you, like, for example, two very productive countries, if you look at USA and Japan, uh, on average, Japanese workers work only three hours a day of focused work. And in America, it's a little higher because we have less, like in Japan, they have more sort of formalities and more meetings. In America, the average worker, office worker, I think it is, works about five hours focused work a day. So I, I definitely think that if a lot of people who are coming into this field from maybe they've only worked more blue collar jobs or like, you know, like a lot of us when we're young, we start out doing more manual labor or manual tasks. And then we come into an office setting and then we freak out because there's not something to do all the time. But part of what you're paid for as a professional, as a writing professional or any sort of job where you're working primarily with your mind is that you're paid because you have that you're an asset to the company first of all so just having you around is an asset so if something comes up that right there you're the person to solve it and also you're paid to think a lot of what you're especially as a writer and a strategist so when you're when you do what I do you're you're strategizing a lot so a lot of what you're paid for is just to sort of think and to plan things out you're not just hammering away you should not be in if you're in a job where you're just like in a sweatshop writing content profusely all day long. That's where I started. That's where I started out. I mean, when I started out, I was writing like five blogs a day, getting paid nothing that, you know, I didn't know any better, but that changes and you have to sort of accept that change. And that's part of kind of walking the, walking the walk and talking the talk of as a professional is getting used to that rhythm of life. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. So it is, I don't know. I was talking to a family member who now is having to work remotely and Mm. they're not traditionally, you know, remotely. It's just because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh man, I feel super guilty because, you know, usually at work I would be uh, hammering away at, you know, whatever I'm doing. And here it's, there's not as much work to do because, you know, I don't have the tools that I have at my work Mm. and I'm still Mm -hmm. being paid for it. And they're like, I feel like I should, like just because of my good conscience, I should take off some time from work because I should take my, you know, two week vacation because yeah. I feel guilty because I'm not working. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what are you crazy? They're willing to, <laughs> you know, pay you for doing whatever you're supposed to be doing there. And they probably right. know that you're not going to be, I guess, you know, being like the seven dwarves hammering away in the coal mines. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's not always interesting. It's not always just writing all day. And sometimes no, it's no. like scheduling out things and like planning. Is there a lot of like planning to it or, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's mind? talk some more about that for sure. Um, there's definitely planning is a huge part of writing for sure. 
that's part of, I'd say at the beginning, it's kind of like, I saw this really cool, uh, infographic about what, how content is made. And it's like, there's like the kitchen and that's the, it's like they compared it, they compared content marketing to like a, uh, like a restaurant and like the kitchen was where like the planning happens. And then there's the, the actual serving of the food or whatever, you know? So there's definitely a lot of planning. And then there's also this aspect of the fact, like you, like you mentioned earlier that, you're doing, you're writing about the same thing long-term, right? So mm-hmm. you're, uh, you're, you're ha- you have to be able to do this in a way that's conducive to having a life. You know what I'm saying? So you're not, yeah. when you work for a company, you are a valuable person and people are, you know, if you're, if you're good at what you do, lots of people want to hire you. So it's not like this master and slave relationship, right? It's sort of more of a, a mutual, a mutual gain relationship. And that's, that's the kind of relationship you want to be in where, you're offering, you're offering the company value. And then of course the company is paying for your living and for, you know, paying you so that you can have a life. Right. So ultimately as a creative person, you want to have a life that flows naturally for you that lets you get your best work done. (laughs) Let us flow in the wind and have our imaginative (laughs) yoga time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean like, you know, so getting kind of more into like what that actually looks like. I mean, something you you have to kind of figure that out for me. I don't really do the same thing every single day because it's just, I like to kind of mix things up. You know, sometimes it might be waking up early to go for a walk. So you feel a little better while you're working or it might be when you're getting stressed, taking a break and going for a walk or maybe getting some, one thing I was doing before the end of the world happened as I was going to <laughs> the gym, like every morning, first thing, and you know, and then I'll have my coffee and then I'll, then I'll do, you know, I'll think about the most important thing I want to get done today. And I might do that first. And then, you know, there's, there's all kinds of projects. Like at any given time, I'm managing probably like 20 different projects or something like that, but you just get used to it. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not, it's not something you end up stressing out about every day. It's like, you, you know, there's always going to be more projects. So as long as you get them done when they're needed to get done, it's not something to be scared about. I don't, I don't know if that's kind of giving you an image of what it looks like, or maybe if I just look really lazy now. <laughs> maybe you are. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's actually comforting. Cause I've honestly not, here's a secret. I've never worked like a full eight hour day other than, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've worked with a junior college and I think I was technically on schedule for like a six hour day. Mm-hmm. And it was a really hardcore thing working with children and teaching. And, you know, I was a teacher. So there was so much planning beforehand. And after that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how could I handle even more, you know, I guess two hours more, but yeah. That was like very on hand, like crazy, like no time to think for yourself sort of stress thing. And so I'm like, oh, is every single job like that? And which is why I'm not in education anymore. I'm like, (laughs) my family's always wanting me to be a teacher. I'm like, never again. No, 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 thanks. (laughs) Which I would probably teach online if I ever did. But I'm like, "Eh, if I can do something else I enjoy more, why not? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But well, I think, I think that's something I would go back and tell myself if now that you mention it is I would tell my, cause I was, I used to be really scared. Like you, I had never worked like a full eight hour a day. And if I did, it was doing something very menial, like lifeguarding where you're just literally just watching the pool for eight hours to make sure no one dies. Right. Yeah. But yeah. That's something I would tell myself is that this is something that it basically becomes your life. Like your life is built around doing what makes you feel creative and productive. Because at the end of the day, you can sit in front of your computer screen for eight hours. And I've done that before feeling like, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting in front of the computer screen for eight hours. And somehow that means you're that means you're meeting your obligation. But that's not what it is. It's, you know, what work are you getting done? What innovations are you making? It's It just becomes part of your life. Okay. I guess that's kind of comforting in some ways. Yeah. I guess my really honest question is like, you know, I have a lot of other things going on a lot of other projects with acting whenever that comes back to life whenever Mm -hmm. you know the world we can go back out into the world but I have that and I have my other businesses and my question is like when I'm applying for jobs now it's like I'm always hesitant of can I do say like a social media manager job or a writer job that says it's full-time like Mm. you know can I balance all of that while still doing other projects that are technically, you know, probably more in line with 
my lifelong dream of, you know, doing being a full-time actor would be nice, but yeah, yeah. You know, that's not exactly reality at least in the location that I live. Yeah. Um so is that I don't know, like if I'm still being a a creative person that, you know, in between my breaks, say that I'm on set and for one day and I don't know, can you double up on work for one day? If there's flexibility, just curious. I know I don't want you to get in trouble. No, no, I, I, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not something I would get in trouble for because I, I, I know what you're talking about because I've been doing this for a while. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a creative person. I have other things I'd rather be doing sometimes in my day job, but I'll, <laughs> but I'll <laughs> like really basically the way I look at it. So I use, I was in a situation, my first job I ever had at a school I did not really like, and it wasn't the right fit for me. And so I did work that job. And then I also worked a pretty intensive, I I had basically had a a writing business as well. And basically what I would do is I'd work that job during the day and then I'd do my writing business any other time. But what that basically turned into is I was always working. So I would, it's like literally I'd be up five in the morning, go to the, go to coffee shop, work on articles for, for, for clients. And then I'd bike down to the train station. Cause you know, back, back then, like my, my family, me and my wife only had one car. So I would bike to the train station, hop on the train, be on the train for an hour and a half just to get to my day job, which would then be a full eight hours. And then I'd come back and then maybe I'd be working on the train or maybe I'd be working on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? So that's a very intensive life, intense lifestyle. And I don't, I would not recommend keeping that up long term. But <laughs> for me, it was what worked to get me there. And eventually I reached a point where I was like, you know what? The, I've done a lot this with this now and the extra money is not worth what it's taking away from my life anymore. So I made that transition. And now today, basically what I, I, so I'd say in the beginning, that's the kind of thing you might have to do, but I would say the goal is to get to a point where you don't have to be hustling all the time. That's what, that's what's worked for me. So that's partly why. So what I do now, I, I really never take on I basically tell a company how much I need to make so that I can focus on them. And then I, I expect that I'll be focused on them between, you know, sort of an eight to five kind of thing. So, you know, I, then I'll be working with them. And then the rest of my time is either work, working on passion projects that sort of fuel my creative drive so that I can do better at work or it's spent doing the other things in life. Okay. So I guess, I guess to answer your question for me, I would not be able to probably do a lot of businesses on top of, on top of this just because of how demanding a creative job is. So for my specific lifestyle that you at least kind of know about, would you probably suggest I would maybe stick with more of a part-time thing if I want to, you know, at least get, get into it, see if I like it and then potentially go into like a full-time if I decided that, you know, the other things that I'm doing were worth taking a break from just to go into that job. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it kind of comes down to what you want. So out of life, <laughs> out of life. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I would, my recommendation is if you are passionate about being a full-time creative person, then you probably should pursue that above everything else just because it's so hard. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess, I guess it's like, it's not like you're, it's not like you're choosing between two, like acting is a, 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 a kind of like a, it's a, it's a challenging thing. It's super competitive, right? Oh yeah. But working at Starbucks isn't right. So it's not yeah. like you're choosing between a sure thing and a hard thing. You're choosing between two pretty hard things. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind yeah. of hard to, it's kind of hard to go ham on both of those things at once. I see. Yeah. Those are very like mentally grueling things of trying to break into and very competitive yeah yeah i mean it's even though it sounds it might sound funny because it's not necessarily any a lot of people's dream to write blogs for a company per se it's actually really competitive to get that kind of a job it takes a lot of takes a lot of preparation and a lot of time yeah i could definitely see that and as i go forward with just like you know putting myself out there a little bit here and there and it's like huh Nothing's happened yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time and you, you have to, it, it just takes a long time. You have to convince people that, you know, you're a good fit and that you're serious about it and you have to build up the portfolio and, and then you finally get that job. You finally get the job you want. And that's not even now the real hard stuff's beginning. Cause then it's going to be, that's job's going to be so challenging for the first two years or something. So yeah, oh I, I would, I, I guess 
I know. So I hate to be like <laughs> pessimistic, but I, it's not something no. I would do while having other serious, other serious goals, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I see. Well, with that being said, <laughs> uh, now that all of my dreams are dead, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> nah, they're not gone. Um, how, okay, if you were in my position as a person who, I did a little bit of blog writing for mm. my last like social media client. And so I do have like very minimal from, you know, from working with them and then just like, having some screenwriting stuff like I don't know where would you even go if you were me like just having to put myself out there I actually do I did find like a genre that I would like to do that Mm. feels very me at least in regards to like all of my background of you know having an online business and running that and being used to so I I really liked commerce writing I think it was Mm. Okay. that this was actually a thing of, um, you know, writing just kind of sort of a blog sort of thingy of product reviews or like giving those lists of like, oh, here's mm. some of the best uh, hand creams for people who have eczema. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So apparently this is like a thing and I didn't okay. know that. Um, and I was like, oh, this is super interesting because I'm, you know, in the online world. So yeah, I don't know how how can I even present myself personally to someone with my very weird and minimal background? Mm. I mean, what worked for me starting out, so it's kind of the opposite of what you might think, because I think if, because every, you know, we have, we have so many people who have follow lots of followers and lots of social media platforms and they have websites, et cetera. It might seem like that's the best way to get people to work with you. But what I have found in the business world where most, where when I started out, the, the business comes from one-on-one connections. So like talking to that person, applying to that job, uh, you know, applying for that lower paying writing thing and that turning into another thing. But yeah, for me, the thing that worked the best was just being able to conv- basically tell someone what I was about, what I wanted to achieve and making that one-on-one connection. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a business thing. Another direction I'm definitely considering is like, you know, that I'm doing script writing for a YouTube channel right now and voicing for them. And we're about to potentially start animating for Mm. them as well as like a whole package. Yeah. So I was like definitely considering like, you know, maybe branching myself out and reaching out to people like that. And I guess, you know, I kind of have more to show at least script writing slash screenwriting. And so I'm like, maybe that's an avenue because I actually have something to show. Mm, I don't know, which now the whole world knows and (laughs) I should probably keep that one to myself. (laughs) You know, actually, now that you're saying this, a thought, one happy thoughts coming to my mind. So I say, I was saying all that very intense stuff about like how, how hard it is to get a job and everything. Yeah. But there is this other realm where you can do this as a business and you can have your own business doing this. Okay. And that's the whole, I, I, I wouldn't, I didn't mean to, so I actually didn't really mean to cut out that other realm. That's not the way I went. I went the, the working route, but I definitely could see you having a fulfilling, like your own fulfilling writing business where you don't end up working full time for somebody. I think I was more just talking about it's pretty hard to work full time for somebody and then also have a bunch of other projects. But if you want to just do a a writing business where you are okay with having sort of fluctuating income from that writing business, I think you could totally do that and still do other things too. Interesting. That definitely sounds like, you know, more of my avenue. Yeah. yeah. I don't like working for people. I don't mind working with people. I just, you know, I think a lot of people probably don't like having a boss that mm, technically mm-hmm. tells them what to do, but I'm definitely an entrepreneurial human that likes yeah. to, you know, go with my own schedule and I'll tell you when I'm done and I'm ready and like, okay, <laughs> this is how long it takes me and yeah, that's when you're going to get it, which I'm generally yeah. pretty quick on like my, at least voiceover and script writing. We have like a one to two day turnaround rate for like 10 minute long scripts with voicing 
editing and yeah, that whole process. So mm. whew, yeah, that's a lot for sure. Yeah. In some, in some ways I would say, so, cause I kind of just went down the, because part of the reason why I got into wanting to be an employee as opposed to being like a contractor having a business is that I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of sales stuff. And mm-hmm. so I didn't want my, at the mo at that time in life, I didn't want my life to be primarily pitching to clients. Cause when you're, when you're a freelancer or you have your own writing business, a lot of time is pitching to clients, pitching to clients. But I think it's easier to get that kind of work personally. Cause it was, that was the kind of work I got before I got full-time work. I think, I think it's easier to get that kind of work than to get a full-time job. Cause basically when you get a full-time writing job or content job, you're basically selling a big deal. It's kind of like, you know, if you make, make it a small deal is easy, right? Like, Hey, I'll pay, write this article for you for 30 bucks. Right. That's a pretty yeah. easy deal. But when you're, when you're selling yourself as a content person to a company, you're basically telling somebody, Hey, take me on for a hundred grand and I'm going to pay it off. I'm going to, I'm going to be <laughs> worth it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's a big deal. So it's a different kind of mindset. I like making the big deal up front because then I can focus on what I actually like to do, which is content creation. But if you're someone who really loves the process of finding new business all the time, then there's no reason you shouldn't do that. We're honestly always like brainstorming new businesses that we can do like daily. And I like woke up a few days ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a new business idea and I know it would work. But it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I think that's probably better for someone else. So it's like, yeah, I'm pretty much always trying to just randomly think of new businesses and things that we can do to make money, save money, and you know, be our own bosses, have flexibility, and I can still pursue being an actor. And you know, that's honestly one of the biggest things of looking for a job and having to make money for myself is yeah. if I want to get back into auditioning. Um, you know, we've all been, I guess, technically off of uh, auditioning, but it costs money to actually audition. You shouldn't ever Mm. pay to actually audition, but like the whole process of having to go out, like for me, it takes almost four hours to get to some of the main audition spots. So Mm, it's like, you know, that takes that much time up and back and having to travel with gas money and or whatever, however you get there. So yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Actually, that's that's what I would probably recommend for your situation. I, I kind of, I get kind of on my little track sometimes where I like no. think about what I did, which is a little different. But I think the best place to start because you'd, you'd be surprised what people will respond to. I remember me and a couple friends were just thinking of starting a little business where we would do lead generation for people, and I just I kind of before I even had anything in place, I like pitched our business idea to a couple people. Yeah. And literally like several people responded. Yeah, this, I'm interested in learning more, like cold pitching to people, right? What? Like they didn't even know. Yeah. So there's people are responsive. Like that's the thing. Like, so if you, you could, you know, cold pitch several people a writing, like, Hey, I'll write a, I'll write an article for you about this. People would probably respond not to mention all the other resources that are, are online. So what types of people? So would you say like for myself, like say that I want to do, I don't know, I'll just say like some sort of fashion company or, you know, cause mm. I, I'm in the clothing business. So fashion, clothing, modeling, whatever. Um, would you suggest to me like to just, I guess, stick out my paw and send some emails or whatever to companies like that? And would I just say like, Hey, I'm willing to write blogs for you say, or like newsletters or whatever once a month or like, I don't know, how do you do that? How do you like set a price and what's that process like from just like, you know, whatever experience you have? Yeah. I mean, I imagine that's, that's what probably most freelance writing people are doing is they're pitching people and I get, because I'm a marketing person. So this is kind of how, this is kind of how people think they're like, Oh, this company need this company. You know, basically the, the, the assumption is every company pretty much now needs content, right? Yeah. So who are you going to pitch? Who are you going to pitch uh, your services to? It's probably going to be someone in the marketing area and sort of the higher, the higher your marketing title is probably the more likely someone's going to pitch to you. So I, because my marketing title, for example, on LinkedIn is uh, content stuff. I get a lot of people pitching me their content services, you know, pretty regularly. So wow. that's, that's what a lot of people are doing. I know one thing that worked for me, when I was starting this out was pitching to people who had ads up, 
was like maybe they were trying to hire a, a somebody and then you're kind of pitching that because you know that's kind of obvious that they have a need right there and yeah. then uh, obviously responding to advertisements for for co- contractors or for part-time work or freelancers are obviously a great way to go about that mm-hmm. but yeah that's what I would say and then in terms of pricing I don't I never was the kind of person who just said hey I'll do this for this price like I, I business is more nuanced than that usually they want to get to know you and then you kind of figure out pricing at some point. And one rule, I don't know, it's, sometimes it doesn't always work like this. Sometimes people figure out their business model and they just have it on their website. Hey, pay this much and you'll get this. But in general, the rule is you never want to be the first to make an offer because whoever makes the offer first loses. That's kind of the, that's sort of the general wisdom. Yeah. So yeah. usually you want to get a feeling for what they can pay you if you can. Sometimes it's, doesn't work to do that. Like me, I have a pretty good understanding of what I want to get paid. But when you're earlier on, it might make sense to just figure out what they're willing to pay, especially since you're just trying to build your portfolio. So. Okay. And I guess like my other question is like, how important is it to have a website as a writer? How important is it to like make your own content for blogging and or whatever, you know, Mm. you want to do and like, what does a portfolio I guess, mean for the writing world? And is it just oh, yeah, like having documents questions. like in your, on your <laughs> memory stick? Does that mean putting it on your website? What is that? So I would say if you can have a website, that's awesome. I mean, now that I have, I, but I'll tell you the truth, I became a professional writer long before I had a website. So obviously you don't need a website. Like I said, a lot of it's just that one-on-one business. Sometimes if you're positioning yourself as like, if you position yourself as a company, they'll want a website. But if you're just an individual reaching out, I don't think the website's usually the first thing they look for. So mm-hmm. uh, what else? So there was that. Yeah, but now that I have a website, like, oh man, having a website super handy because all of your stuff's just in one spot, you know? But even then, like I have people like reaching out to me who want to hire me, for example, who don't even look at my website, you know? So yeah. it's not like, an, it's not like a, a, having a website seals the deal and early on it's not necessary (laughs) but over time it's something it's handy to have it's not the cure-all okay (laughs) scratch that idea no i'm just kidding um yeah and then in regards to portfolio sorry another question oh no go ahead you're fine yeah i just want to make sure to answer your portfolio question yeah so because i actually talked to these people who didn't understand you know they were technology people they didn't understand what a portfolio is but a portfolio is basically a selection of your best work so it's not all your work that's a common misconception. Some, like I had this one tech person tell me once like, oh, I was surprised there was so little in there. You've been doing this for so long. It's like, no, it's uh, your portfolio is your best work, not your entire <laughs> work you've ever done. You can probably put together a list of all the things you've ever done, but you know, usually you just want to put together your top favorite things. And yeah, usually if you apply to a writing job, they'll ask for a link to your portfolio. And that's usually something online. And how would, would that be, say that you, would it be just like links from previous like blogs or, you know, businesses that you've written for slash with or? Yeah. I mean, just, what I use, what I used earlier on and now, now I still probably would use it, but now that I have my website, I'll probably figure out a way to get my portfolio on my website. But I just use a port, there's lots of, lots of portfolio to- tools you can use online where you don't have to have a website. So you just, you can like upload documents, you can link to stuff and it just kind of displays it all there on your quote unquote portfolio. It's just like, I use one that's called journo portfolio and it lets you use up to, it lets you display up to 10 documents or articles uh, for free. Oh, mind blown. My goodness. (laughs) Okay. That's super good to know. Yeah. I guess, do you have any other, you know, thoughts of like just tips of, people who are noobs in this or anything not really (laughs) those are really good see the problem i have is i i just kind of internalize all this information and it's hard for me to remember what it is that people don't know like a lot of the stuff you asked me i didn't even put in my book that i wrote right so i like some of the stuff i'm like oh yeah i didn't even mention i don't think i mentioned having a portfolio but yeah (laughs) i would say early on when people are hiring you, they're not hiring you because you have a personal blog. They're hiring you because you've done work for other companies. So I definitely recommend building a personal blog alongside what you get paid for. Mm-hmm. But people primarily care that you've been paid to do this kind of stuff before. Okay. 
I guess, wow, long journey ahead, but it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess thanks for answering all of my million questions. I have been told that I ask way too many questions, so thank you for being patient with me. (laughs) No worries. When do you plan on getting started doing all this? Or or are are you kind of already doing it? I've already started the process of stuff and I have seen stuff like, oh, here's a spot for your portfolio. And I'm like, mm. oh, which one? <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just feeling lost and I, I just don't know what to do. It's just really hard. And like knowing that I am in a specific, I guess, niche or genre of writing right now, which is something I love to do, which is writing scripts because it's just so creative and free flowing. And I've applied to a few other places that were actually that I did see screenwriting, um, thankfully, but I don't necessarily think I got it. But it's just like weird and interesting to see the different types of writing there is out there. And just, you know, feeling a little bit lost and quite inadequate and because I am and then just feeling old that I'm like you know this old at this point even though I look like I'm 12 (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy looking 12 because I'm like well maybe people have grace for me because I look like a little kid getting Mm. into it and not like oh man you're an old lady just finally building this type of career and like get Mm. out of here you know that is a worry so I I would say if you're in your 20s it's you're you're not at all too old or even old at all to be starting this. <laughs> that's, that's hopeful. Very hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, I'd say the, the people who are like me who knew when they were 21 that this is what they wanted to do are very few and far between. I, don't think, I think most people kind of transition into it later on. Okay. That's good to know. And I yeah. guess kind of scary still. And woo, yeah, it's going to be a ride. But, you know, I think I might potentially at least move forward and try and you know take baby steps into this yeah i am grateful for your i guess knowledge and support of someone far above me (laughs) (laughs) sir joseph the great (laughs) and valiant (laughs) i feel i don't usually feel like i know a lot but i do like after like oh yeah after getting asked questions about things i'm like oh yeah i do know stuff that's awesome (laughs) <laughs> That's really cool. I actually feel like that finally, like in acting, like mm. I feel like the old wise woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have been coming to me asking me questions and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just have built myself up. I'm like, oh, this is so weird. You know, if I were to go back and like things I would tell myself. Um, oh, yeah. Of like, don't waste your time on this and do that. And, whatever and something I learned which I was going to mention with in regards to the website is like you know I had created a an acting website which I didn't have it like flawless it wasn't perfect but I'm like is this actually going to help me in and I've heard that like for voiceover you're supposed to have like a website and I'm like does this actually help and I don't know yeah I'm just always curious of like how beneficial is having websites and stuff like that so I guess for some people it can be depending on what you do. <laughs> it's just funny because there's lots of people out there who have hundreds of thousands of followers, yada, yada. And, you know, they work as accountants or something, you know, it's just not, it's, it's not like having an online presence makes you a content creator. You know, it's just, it's just like, it can be something cool to have as content creator or a writer or whatever. But I think what, what really gets you there is just getting that one-on-one interaction and getting people to trust you and to pay you for, for producing things. Okay. Yeah. So gain trust, tattooing this all into my brain. Um, <laughs> don't be stupid and get out there and do it. Oops. Yeah. And then you, one of my biggest breaks came from, not from a client that I landed, but from a client I landed who then someone from that company recommended me to another company. And then I got, that's kind of oh. when I started working with bigger companies. So that's the kind of stuff that happens and it just builds, you know, and you, you go from writing scripts to then somebody wants you to write a blog and then someone wants you to write a press release and then all these things get added to your toolkit. And then you're all of a sudden you find that you, you realize you're a content, you're a content marketer and you're a content manager, you know? So yeah. that's how this, that's how this stuff kind of works. It's uh, something that builds up over time. Okay. Well, I guess I better go build now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your help 
And, yeah, no worries. You know, thanks for taking your time out to just chat with me about this. It was really mind-opening and mind-blowing and wow, my mind is buzzing, but it's great.